Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. I'm joined by the former Raider great Stanford. Rob Stan, how we doing? Pretty good, pretty good, my man. Uh, like I said, we're getting this week three started. Got the Raiders and the Steelers coming on Sunday night, so uh, definitely uh, excited. And hopefully we can go ahead and get a W at home. Yeah, it is the Raiders' home openers. They welcome the Pittsburgh Steelers to Allegiant Stadium. But, Stan, before we talk about what's going on on the field, we got to begin with off-the-field news for the Raiders, and that has to do with Chandler Jones. Now, the yeah. team placed him on the non-football illness as he continues to work through what has been described as, as a personal matter by the team. Now, Jones has been away from the Raiders since Labor Day weekend when he began a barrage of social media posts aimed at Raiders in general. You know, owner Mark Davis, general manager Dave Ziegler, head coach Josh McDaniels in particular, saying he no longer wanted to play for the team, was also wondering why he was not welcomed back. Now, Stan, this means he's going to miss at least the next four games, if not activated by the end of that. He could remain there the rest of the season. Stan, look, I don't want to speculate. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on here with Jones, but whatever it is, I hope he gets help because right yeah. now the most important thing is Chandler Jones, the man, the person. Yeah. Not no doubt about at it. this point, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. His mental health is the thing that's most important because that's what he's going to have after his playing days are over, whenever that may be. Uh, and I think that sometimes that gets lost in translation, especially when you're dealing with fans because fans just want to, they just want to know, or can you help their team win? are you available on Sunday? And oftentimes it's bigger than that. And, you know, based on everything that's happened transpired over the last couple of weeks with the barrage of messages that you're seeing on Instagram or, or social media, what have you, it makes you wonder what's really going on, you know, and you just want to make sure that everybody, all parties within that are involved in this are safe. Sam, let me ask you this. Uh, you're uh, an assistant coach for university of Houston. You also played there. You played in the NFL for a long time. How much more, I don't know, I don't know if where or maybe discussed is mental health now compared to when you were at, playing at the University of Houston or when you were playing eight years in the NFL? Oh, it was light years. You know, I think now uh, it's something that obviously is at the forefront. That's something that you hear more of. You hear players coming out speaking on their mental health, taking or stepping away from the game to go ahead and get themselves together. Uh, back when I was in college and or high school or even playing, you know, for the Raiders, it was something that was more thought of as let's sweep it under the rug. And you know what? You just fight through it. Uh, it was seen as a sign of weakness to have somebody that's having mental health issues. They were seen as crazy or psychotic or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's definitely something that now it is something that's more celebrated for the strength of coming forward. It is something that is more empathized with. It is something that obviously is going to be taken with a high level of urgency, or should I say a high level of caution if somebody is even showing signs of that. And I think that uh, that's just pretty much where this nation, that's pretty much where this society is now at. Because when you really look at everything, you see how there are certain people that when you really think back to high school or college or just in your younger years, you know what? Now that I have all this information in front of me. Now that I see the new developments within the mental health field, you know what? That one kid that I used to play with in high school that sometimes would just kind of seem like his mood would change or his personality. You know what? Maybe he was experiencing concussions or maybe he was experiencing some something having to do with the mental health field. 
And it just makes you look back and just wonder how many people needed help but simply didn't get it because no one either took them seriously or they were just told that, okay, you know, you're fine. Just go ahead and get in there and brush it off. So uh, it's definitely something that in this society is taken much more seriously, especially back when I was playing. All right. Well, let's hope Chandler Jones does get some help, whatever he does need. Let's get to our promo read before we get to the Raiders Steelers and bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Stan, I want to start with the Raiders offense in particular, running back Josh Jacobs. I mean, I can't believe he's only rushed for 46 yards in the first two weeks of this season. That included minus two against the Buffalo Bills. Now, if you take a look at the Steelers run defense, they were gouged for almost 200 yards rushing uh, on Monday night against Cleveland. And that was without Nick Chubb, who got hurt in that game. Unfortunately for him, he's out for the year. So Stan, a couple things. One, how do you get Josh Jacobs going and two, do you think he can do it this Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, you're going to have to get him going. I think probably by opening up the pass game. That way you can go ahead and now start having defenses line up and cover two. Maybe have the two deep. Don't have eight in the box to go ahead and commit to the run. But that means Jimmy G is going to have to be a more prolific passer. That means the receivers are going to have to have that much more production. And then obviously the offensive line. But we all know that they are what they are. It's not like we can just go and draft somebody right now ready for week three on Sunday night football. So I think it's going to be a collective effort, maybe even maybe even starting to set up some draws where, you know what, you catch the defense off guard or it's a little bit of a delayed handoff, things like that. I think the Raiders are going to have to get very creative with how they want to spark their run game to get Josh Jacobs going. Dan, let me ask you this. Josh missed most of training camp holding out before yeah. he finally signed and reported. You played eight years in the NFL. How much did you need training camp to get you going for the start of the season? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, most players, you give them about two weeks, they're 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 ready to go. Uh, that's why, like I said, you know, with the cutting out one preseason game and it only being three, that's needed for the owners to be able to collect all the concession stands, the revenue money, and not have to pay the players their regular season salary. So as a lot of the preseason games, it's, it's a money grab for the owners. And then also the younger guys, it gives them a chance to evaluate them, figure out who's going to make the team, who's not going to make the team, things like that. But for the veterans, all they really need is about two weeks just to go ahead, get your timing down, things like that. It really does not take long. I think for Josh Jacobs, I don't think that he was – sitting on his ass for, you know, all offseason or anything like that. I just think that the offensive line may not be as strong as it was last year. You don't have Derek Carr. You now have Jimmy G. I think it's a myriad of things that are playing into that. And then also, if I don't fully, fully respect your pass game, I can just load the box. Okay, Devontae Adams is going to get off on anybody. Whether we play zone, whether we play man, he's going to get off. We know that. I think that um, there's a myriad of, of reasons why the Raiders are struggling with the run game right now. I don't believe it's because Josh Jacobs held out all year. And because of that, he's already lost his step and he's not the same player. I don't think that for any stretch. I think that uh, you have several reasons. The Denver Broncos, they're pretty good on defense. Now, they're not what they what they were last year, clearly. The Buffalo Bills, they just got beat by the New York 
Aaron Rodgers-less Jets Monday Night Football last week. They ain't about to come home to Orchard Park and then lose to the to the Las Vegas Raiders. They're not doing that. So uh, you look at the first two games of the season, obviously game two did not go as well. But I think to sit up and automatically assume it's because Josh Jacobs has lost his step, I think that's a premature assumption. Obviously, we'll see as the season goes on. But I think that it's a collective effort if you want to get him going. Dan, the Raiders offense has scored just 27 points so far. And I wonder, with all the new faces, with Myers and Jimmy G and the new tight end, I I wonder how comfortable Jimmy G is in this offense. I was looking at the numbers. Stan, he's targeted basically three players with most of his pass attempts. I'm talking about Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, who's only played in one game, and Josh Jacobs. Stan, those three have accounted for more than 70% of his throws. And then you look at a guy like Hunter Renfro. One catch, one target. Their first-round pick, the tight end, Michael Meyer. One catch, one target. So let me ask you this. How comfortable does Jimmy G look to you in this Raiders offense? I know it's only two weeks, but give me your uh, thoughts. I think he looks just like what you said. He's two weeks into a new offense, a new scheme, a new team. Obviously, he's been with Josh McDaniels. We know that. But how long has he known Devontae Adams. How long has he been teammates with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and everybody else? Remember, he signed with the Raiders. What was it, back in March or something like that? But remember, he was he was kind of injured, coming back from the surgery, things like that. There was questions about his contract where if he's not available uh, fully healthy on such and such a day, they can basically just cut him and part ways with him. There was all of that nonsense that you were hearing back in the earlier part of the year. So I think some of that is playing a part. And then on top of that, Jimmy G has never been known as a gunslinger. He's never been known as somebody that's going to throw the ball 50 times a game and lead you to success. So I think once again, I think there's a myriad of reasons or factors that's going into the lack of production that you're seeing in the early going. So once again, Jimmy G is at his best when he's got what? The New England Patriots defense, the 49ers defense, or the 49ers run game. So Right now, the Raiders don't have either of those, so you're putting more on Jimmy G's shoulders, and that's not something that he's proven to, and thus thus far in his career, at this point, that's not something he's proven to be somebody who can overcome lack of a run game and a defense. Okay, Stan, I want to follow up with that with Hunter Renfro. I don't know how he only has one target through the first two games. This was a guy who had over 100 receptions two years ago. He was Derek Carr's comfort blanket. I mean, especially on third down, you knew it was third and Renfro, and he was going to pick up the first down. Is this on Josh McDaniels to get Renfro more involved? Is it on Renfro? Is it on Jimmy G? Is it a combination of all three? I mean, I think other than Jacobs, that's the biggest head-scratcher going on right now with the Raiders' offense. Absolutely. I think it's on Jim. Uh, I think it's on Josh Jacobs. I think it's on Jimmy G as well, but definitely Josh Jacobs. You're the head coach. Josh you're the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. J- Josh McDaniels, you're the head coach. You're the offensive coordinator. It's on you. This is your team. If Josh McDaniels doesn't have a good year this year, I'm not sure that he's going to survive and be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders in 2024. Maybe you do, but I'm not certain on that. So I think that he definitely has to get Hunter Renfro more involved within the offense, figure out ways, whether it's a screen, whether it's a jet sweep, you got to get the ball in his hand in some form or fashion to get him going because as defenses get deeper into this season, they get more film on Jimmy G in a black and silver uniform. They're going to start just rolling the coverage to Devontae Adams where, you know what, as long as we can go ahead and stop him, we'll be just fine. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. We'll be just fine as a, as a defense. All we got to do is stop him because we know they don't have anybody else that can beat us. All right, let's flip to the defensive side now. Stan, your biggest worry heading into this season was the Raiders' secondary, and so far, I mean, it's come to fruition. Uh, opposing quarterbacks, Stan, I can't believe this, are completing 86% of their passes so far. Stan, what is standard? What is standard for a defense to give up these days? I mean, not 86%. Uh, I would probably say somewhere between 50 to 60. I would imagine somewhere in that area. but Maybe up to 65, 65, 70. If it's, if it's that high, then you can't be giving up a lot of yards per catch. Okay. You can't be giving up a lot of yards per game. Maybe you're giving up a high completion percentage, but it's not for a high number of yards, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's got to be one or the other. But yeah, with uh, with like you just said, 80 completion percentage, no, that's not good for any stretch uh, in any capacity. So they definitely have to do, do a better job of that. But I think that's where the pass rush becomes that much more paramount. And obviously, Tyree Wilson, slow to start. Chandler Jones away from the team. It's now on Max Crosby. We can just slide the protection to Max Crosby and neutralize him for much of the game. So I think it's a collective effort once again. Obviously, you cannot have a good pass defense without having some edge rushers getting after the quarterback. It's a collective effort, but definitely no 80% completion percentage uh, given up. That is not good by any standards. Stan, I know the season's only two weeks old. And the Bills, look, the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. We know that. But I thought the game revealed the lack of talent and playmakers the Raiders have on the defensive side of the ball. Is that a fair statement I can make? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> but is it surprising? I mean, once again, they drafted Tyree Wilson, number seven overall in the first round. Some may, some say that was a reach. Some say he was overdrafted. Who knows? We don't know what the, what the final verdict is going to be on that. But. Did the Raiders attack anybody in free agency at the cornerback position? Did they attack anybody, a big ticket item in the, at the linebacker? No, they didn't. So once again, DA, why are we saying this? Like it's in any way a surprise. No, <laughs> like I, you're I, telling I, me that the sky is blue right now with the Raiders <laughs> secondary. Stan, my thing is, okay, you're, you're giving up 86% completion rate. And when they did put pressure on Jacobs and made him uncomfortable, okay, it, it worked to a certain extent. But with, with the back end of that defense being so suspect, and I'm being nice saying so suspect, how much can you really blitz right now knowing that if you're in man-to-man -man or uh, they play mostly zone, I shouldn't even say man-to-man, -man, but how much can you realistically blitz right now and rush, let's say, five, maybe I'm not going to say six, but let's say five guys and trust the back end of the, that secondary. Is it realistic, well, Stan? Well, the, the thing is, you want to make sure that you disguise your blitzes. You want to disguise the pressure. And by doing that, that's when you confuse the quarterback. You look at the best quarterbacks that have ever played this game, Peyton Manning. You look at Tom Brady. You look at Aaron Rodgers. And the games that they have really had that were stinkers, where they just did not play well, it's because they were confused with what they were seeing in the back end, whether it's disguising the coverage, whether it's moving at the last second, and also along with the pressure, things like that. You're going to have to mix it up. And yes, you can pressure the quarterback and blitz, but that blitz has to get there. And if it's one of those where we're just blitzing just to say we did and it's not actually getting there, now you're putting your secondary really in harm's way. But if it gets there and if you're able to disguise, now that quarterback for one more split second, he has to drop back 
and take one more split second to process what the hell he's seen. So if you're starting in too high and then all of a sudden you're moving to single high where you're having a strong safety now come down into the strong curl hook or you're having maybe the nickelback go back and, uh, and be in his deep half for some sort of uh, converted cover two or something like that, well, that quarterback's got to be able to diagnose that. And that takes one more split second. And hopefully that one more split second, Max Crosby can come barreling down his blind side and get the sack. That's how pressure in the quarterback works. Because if you don't have the guys in the secondary, that rush, that's, that blitz has to get there that much more because of the deficiencies that you have in the back end. So yes, you still want to blitz. You can't just sit back in zone and just let the uh, let the quarterback go ahead and pat the ball and then just have his way and just throw the ball wherever he wants to. You got to speed up his clock, his internal clock that he has in his head. Dan, taking a look at the Steelers offense, I mean, I don't think it's anything special through the first two weeks. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he's put up some good numbers. I think he's more like, okay, what is his potential? He made it some nice plays yes. against the Browns. The 49ers made him look awful. Uh, Najee Harris is a good running back. I wouldn't say he's a great running uh -huh. back. So, I mean, when you look at it like that, I mean, this is maybe an offense equivalent to Denver's right now. Perhaps. I think that, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe assessment. I think that Kenny Pickett, first round pick, obviously went to University of Pitt, second year. So that right there in itself, Pittsburgh in its in its tradition has been more run the ball. You got Franco Harris, you got Willie Parker, you got Jerome Bettis. And then look at the quarterbacks. You've had Terry Bradshaw, but he had the steel curtain. You had Neil O'Donnell going to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Big Ben is pretty much the only prolific mm -hmm. passer that you've really, really known of to wear a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. So just off of that alone, yes, it's a little bit more toward the Denver Broncos as far as what the offense is right now, but you can still win with that by playing the way that they played on Monday night against Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, running the ball with Nashi Harris, like you just said. Kenny Pickett is able to make some quarterback throws. He's not to the point where he's now doing it consistently, where he's doing it at a high level, like he's Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes. But right now, Kenny Pickett, the way he's playing, Pittsburgh Steelers can win some games. Are they going to win the AFC North? I wouldn't go that far but they can definitely win some games and win Sunday night. So they're definitely not anybody to be taken lightly. Still somebody that you have to make sure that you game plan for. And if you don't execute, you will lose to them. I hope that doesn't happen for the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. But uh, but everything that you're saying to, the, to your point about the offense, yes, they are more than capable of being able to come out of Allegiant Stadium successful. Well, let's hope the Raiders can take care of the ball offensively. They turned it over four times for the first two games. And Pittsburgh had, what, two defensive touchdowns on Monday night against Cleveland. All right, Stan, finally, prediction time. You want Raiders or Steelers on Sunday night? Uh, right now, you know, both teams one and one. I would say Sunday night football, home opener for the black and silver. Yeah, I would say let's go, let's go ahead and uh, book them for a win. You know, I'm not sure how good the Raiders are. I still think I'm looking at a 6-7 win team. I'm not sure how good Pittsburgh is either. I didn't think they exactly. looked good against the 49ers. I didn't think they looked particularly good against the Cleveland Browns. I know their defense shut down Deshaun Watson, who was disappointed <laughs> in his performance. Yeah. And like I said, the defense got two TDs. But I do think the Raiders are going to find a way to win this one. Uh, I think it'll be an ugly game, but I think home field advantage is going to work uh, mm -hmm. in the Raiders' favor on Sunday night. I stand 20-17, to 17, maybe uh 21-17 something along those lines i don't think it's a very high scoring game either way but i do think the raiders come out on top like you and uh 
Hey, look, I think after three weeks, if you told somebody the Raiders would be two and one, I think you'd say, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I would definitely take it. I don't care if somehow, some way they get it by, uh, they get the win by only kicking field goals or somehow, some way the Pittsburgh Steelers have some sort of miraculous negative last play of the game like we saw last year against the Raiders and the Patriots. I don't care. However, that, however it comes out, if they can win the game being two and one after week three, I'll take it. I don't care how I get it. If we can have that, I think that is an ultimate success story going into week four for the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, what's the old slogan? Just win, baby. Just win, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rowdy, I'm Dennis Ackerman. May all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.